feel like you're angry at me. I'm not angry at you. I just feel like you haven't been listening to me at all. Well, I feel like you're speaking to me in a way that offends me. Well, I don't even feel like this conversation is going anywhere. Not like that, it won't. Welcome to the Vanessa Landino podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa Landino. Thank you for all the kind messages I got last week about the episode. It's called The Mountain in the Valley. And apparently this really hit home for some of you. Some of you wrote wrote to me, several of you, and said this was your favorite episode ever. So thank you for the encouragement. Those messages were really awesome to read. Um, And I think people really got the metaphor of the mountain and the valley. And of course, all my valley people reached out to me and it was really cool. And so if you don't know what that means, please listen to that episode. Um, To be honest with you, I'm always a little hesitant. You know, there's always that little voice that comes from the mountain in the back of my mind that's um, hesitant to put more vulnerable stuff out there. But you all met me in the valley. So thank you. And if you know, again, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, just listen to last week's episode. Okay, this week, this came out of sessions, lots of couples work in the last week. And we're going to get into the weeds a little bit. This episode is going to be a little bit more technical than I usually get as far as how to communicate and different aspects and layers of communication. But I really think we need to go here because if we get this wrong, our communication actually breaks down. And when communication breaks down, connection breaks down. And I want you to feel not only connected in your relationships, but competent in your relationships that you know how to communicate what's going on inside you. That means you know yourself. It means you know what you feel. It means you can articulate that into words. You can connect your feelings with your needs. So you can describe what you're feeling. And then from there, you can describe what you need based on what you're feeling. And this is a lifelong work. These are skills of articulation. And this is self-awareness and self-knowledge that develops over the span of our lives. So if you're not feeling like I just described anything in your toolbox, don't worry. This is something that we all work on. I am working on this with you, okay? The reason why this episode is important, and again, it's going to be a little bit more technical, not quite as emotional and vulnerable as last week, um, is because if we can't accurately and consistently communicate with one another, our relationships get extremely blocked, okay? Stay with me throughout this episode, because at the end of it, something is going to click for you, I think. Something is going to click in your brain where you tell yourself, oh, okay, I've actually been doing that wrong. I don't want you to feel terrible amounts of shame about that or any shame at all. We all do this wrong. Very few people are actually taught to express their emotions properly. Most of us turn our emotional experience into, frankly, just gobbledygook, like spewing words and language that comes out of our mouth in an attempt, an earnest attempt to make our emotions known. So today, my goal is to give you the tools that you need to accurately and consistently be able to articulate your inner world. The whole point of relationship is connection, right? And it means that I bring my inner world to you and you bring your inner world to me and we share those places and that's called intimacy. And the more sort of high stakes, the disclosure, the more intimate we feel. But I want you to be, first of all, lovingly connected to yourself, your true self. And part of your true self is expressed in the emotions that you feel. 
that's not the whole picture. It's just part of what's going on inside that we have to accept if we're going to be in touch with ourselves. And then I want you to be able to lovingly, safely connect to people in your lives who support you, who love you. So there's the internal relationship, the relationship you have with yourself, and then the externalized relationship of that, which is the relationships that form your community and support system. And I want you to be proficient at both, okay? That's the goal. That's part of mental and emotional health is learning these internal skills, okay? Articulating your internal world to another person so that you feel connected and get your needs met is the ultimate goal. But the way we're talking about our feelings is important. And if we're talking about our feelings in a way that isn't quite precise, in other words, we're not saying what we're feeling it's actually problematic. So here's the concept I want you to grab a hold of, and then I'm going to unpack it, okay? Your thoughts are not your feelings, and your feelings are not your thoughts, all right? Thoughts are not feelings, and feelings are not thoughts. So hang on to that. Now, I have to start with making a case for feelings, because I know a lot of you listening, you don't know what to do with your feelings, so you don't feel them. You suppress them, you avoid them, you medicate them, you numb them, you talk yourself out of them, you invalidate them, or some of us can be very emotional and we don't know what to do with our feelings, so we just act them out. We're explosive, or we shut down, or we behave in ways that if we were not emotionally triggered, we might not behave that way in any other situation in life, but we don't know what to do with our emotions, so they're coming out what we call sideways right? We don't know what to do with our anger, so we're passive aggressive. We don't know what to do with our fear, so we lie. We don't know what to do with our embarrassment, so we people please. Okay, we've got all these emotions, these legitimate, valid emotions going on inside of us, but we don't know quite what to do with them. We don't know why they're there. We don't know how to feel them because they're really uncomfortable. And so we create what we call coping mechanisms so that we don't really have to feel them or identify them or deal with them face on, okay? So we have to start with a case for feelings. Some of us hate having feelings, and I will admit, they're inconvenient sometimes. <laughs> you know, we want to get something done. We want to live our lives. We have goals. We have dreams. And then we have our feelings. And feelings can be very blocking, especially if you're the type of person who can't suppress them. And it's just a personality style. Some of us saw it modeled. Some of us have personalities where we can just block our feelings. We can suppress them. Now, again, they will come out sideways. I had a therapist years ago who used to say, emotions are like unruly teenagers. They will always be heard. <laughs> the point is, are we expressing them in a way that's productive to healthy relationship? Because I've never met a couple who's in conflict with each other in a therapy session. I've never met a couple who's in conflict because they disagree. I only meet couples who are in conflict because they don't know what to do with the emotions they have about the disagreement. The emotions are where all of the wounding takes place. The emotions we have about our disagreements, about our arguments, that's where we hurt each other. That's where we feel distant. It's not in the actual substance of the disagreement. Couples fight about about five things. You know, they fight about their children, in-laws, time spent, money, and sex. So if you're listening to this and you're in a, you know, committed relationship, you know, you get it. It's not, it's not new. 
We don't fight about outlandish things. I don't see people coming in with extremely unique situations and they just can't navigate through, you know, the complexity of their totally unique situation. I 99.9% of the time see very wonderful, normal people who are arguing unproductively about very normal things. Okay, but the place where the relationship is getting stuck is not the actual substance of the disagreement. It's the emotional piece. Okay, so for those of us who feel feelings and can express them with some precision, with some accuracy, today's just going to be a reminder for you. It's probably going to take you a little bit deeper. But if you're listening to this and you hate talking about your feelings, I really want you to pay attention. Your emotions are uncomfortably vulnerable for a reason. And the reason is they are the language of intimate connection. So the more we let people know what we're feeling, it can be very vulnerable because the more information they have that they could potentially use against us. So yes, it's uncomfortable to feel and talk about our emotions. But in making the case for our feelings, I have to say two things. Number one, they're happening. They're happening inside you. You have to do something with them. All right, this is a little bit like going to a doctor after you've been in pain for 20 years. You know, it's like it's time to deal with this. They're happening inside you, number one. Number two, if you know how to use emotion in your relationships, you can experience some of the most exquisite, life-giving, satisfying intimacy, not just in romantic relationships, but in friendships, in parent-child relationships. All relationships are about connection, all of them. I mean, interpersonally, professionally, maybe not. But interpersonally, in our lives, in our support systems, in our families, they're all about connection. We've got to know what to do with emotion. Emotion is the language of connection. So have I made the case for feelings? Number one, they're happening. So you got to deal with them one way or another. And number two, they're how we feel connected. So we don't have to fear them. We need to instead have a goal of developing mastery. You know, I've been part of a 12-step program for many years. And I'm still in very close contact with people I met in that program. And they're, they form part of my support system. And we talk about in the uh, Adult Children of Alcoholics program, emotional sobriety. You know, in AA, it's, you know, sobriety from alcohol. In NA, it's sobriety from narcotics. And you know, OA, it's sobriety from overeating, okay? But in ACA, we just talk generally about emotional sobriety because what we all deal with in ACA are all of the coping mechanisms that we developed because we were flooded with a lot of really difficult emotions as children growing up in dysfunction that we didn't know what to do with. So we came up with all different kinds of ways of coping and numbing and medicating and avoiding and aggressing because we didn't know what to do with our emotions because we didn't get any clear instruction on what to do with our emotions because we were raised by people who also were not feeling their feelings and in tons of coping mechanisms about their emotions. So what we want to do, if we're listening to this podcast and any of that sounds familiar, I want you to break the chain. Well, Vanessa, that sounds a lot easier than it is. That is a true statement. It is so hard to be a chain breaker in a family system. You will run up against criticism. People will gaslight you. People will probably negate you. They will invalidate your experiences. They'll invalidate your memory. 
I mean, I have been told everything you can imagine in my family system, right down to there was no dysfunction and you don't need therapy. Now, of course, that person is in therapy. But (laughs) when you're a chain breaker, you're going to hear it all. You're going to meet with all the resistance in your family system because you're challenging the narrative. But I will tell you that the most powerful first step you can take as a chain breaker in your family system is to choose to feel your feelings. Now, you do that in four steps, okay? Now, you know me, I hate four steps to this, seven steps to this, just do these three things. Okay, there's probably more than four steps, but as I sat down to take notes for this podcast, I thought, I think there's four steps. And if there's more, write me an email and we can talk about it. The first step to feeling your feelings is you have to acknowledge that you have them. Okay. Again, we just have to come out of denial. They're happening. All right. There are emotions taking place in your body. You have emotions. This is a fact. And you can't feel anything if you're unwilling to face this truth. Number two, be willing to experience them. Okay. Even if you admit that you have feelings, you will not feel them or put them to any use whatsoever in your life or relationships if you're not willing to experience them as they occur within you. And let me say this, this is very hard to do when we've been traumatized or abused. I know, I feel you out there. The feelings that we have, bodily, I'm not talking about the thoughts or the mental memories of the abuse or the trauma. I'm talking about the physical feeling in the body associated with the trauma or the abuse and or the abuse will be so severely uncomfortable and so reminiscent of the event that we have developed sophisticated coping mechanisms to avoid feeling these feelings. So what I want to say to you very gently and as someone who gets it, just do it in small doses, little bit at a time. Increase what we call your window of tolerance, okay? When you've been traumatized, And abuse is trauma. So I'm just going to use trauma as sort of a catch-all phrase for situations that were existentially threatening. Not all hardship is trauma. You know that, right? Not all hardship is trauma. Just because it's hard doesn't mean it's traumatizing. Trauma changes the way you see yourself and the way you see yourself in the world. Okay? So for the negative, okay? It's a drastic change in self-perception and global perception for the negative. And typically it involves an existential threat where you believed in the moment You had to fear for your life. You didn't know if you would make it through. Okay. In those moments, okay, the emotions that you experienced were so extreme, like fear or shame. Uh, It could even be rage or anger, confusion. I mean, all of these emotional experiences, honestly, can be traumatizing if they are potent enough. Okay. In those moments, what happened was the whole world sort of shrinks down to that event And the emotion that you experience in that event becomes so negative to you. It becomes so unwanted that we shrink down the, we're going to call it the window of what we can tolerate down to this little teeny, teeny, tiny, just think of a tiny window on a great big wall. Like the wall is the trauma and the window is what you can tolerate because anything else is going to remind you of that trauma. Okay. Now, imagine that fear 
was and very often is the traumatizing emotion. Okay, that's what you felt flooded with when you were in the traumatized situation. That means that any time you feel fear in your adult life, which the potential for that is sky high, I mean, that's a very normal, frequent human emotion, you're going to go back to the trauma. Okay, so what does that mean? It means you shrink that window down, you will only live a life in which you don't feel fear. Now, there are many ways to do that. You could hide, you could avoid, you could actually become risky, you could become a daredevil, you could be proving to yourself, I can live right on the edge of danger and I don't feel fear because that fear is going to bring back the trauma. Okay, so what I'm trying to describe, and you can Google this if you want, is what's called the window of tolerance. The more we've been traumatized, the smaller the window of tolerance becomes. We don't want to feel the emotion associated with the trauma. So our world, our life gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And I'm not talking about, you know, you never leave your bedroom. I'm talking about the experiences that you allow yourself to consciously have become so small And any time, and this is where intimate relationship gets really hard, any time somebody does something, says something, or reminds you, not of the event, but of the emotion attached to that event, you will have a trauma response. You might lash out, you may shut down, you may run away, you may end the relationship. You may have trouble committing because you can't be in situations where that trauma is getting what we call triggered, okay? So why do I tell you to experience these emotions in small doses? And I hope if this is true of you, if any of this sounds real, please work with a skilled therapist. We want to expand that window of tolerance slowly, tiny bit at a time. What that means when I work with clients who have been through trauma is I'll say, okay, where do you feel that in your body? Well, I feel it in my stomach. I feel like I'm going to throw up. I'm like, okay, I'm looking at the clock. I just want you to feel that. Focus on feeling that for 10 seconds and then you're done. And so they'll literally for 10 seconds, I feel like I'm going to throw up. Vanessa, I feel like I'm like, all right, five more seconds. Three, two, one, you're done. Look out the window. Look at my face. Look at the couch. Just take your mind off of it. That's what I mean in small doses. And then eventually we find that you can do it for 10 seconds, 12 seconds, 15 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute. And once we start being able to feel those feelings again, again, specifically talking about feelings associated with trauma, our window of tolerance increases. And guess what? We become less reactive. Because when we get triggered, the window of tolerance is much bigger. First of all, less triggers us. And when we do, we can tolerate the emotion because we've done it. And this is a really, really good use of therapy. Okay, this is a productive use of a therapy, a talk therapy technique is being able to increase that window of tolerance little by little by little. Okay, so. First step, acknowledge you have emotions, which is hard. Yes, you have feelings. Number two, be willing to experience them. And if we've been traumatized in small doses, okay? Remember, this is a phrase that I want you to memorize. What you will not feel, you cannot heal. And that is a fact. That's just part of healing. In order for us to become emotionally balanced, to become emotionally sober, right? Where we're not being flooded with emotions and then acting them out and being flooded with emotions and then acting them out to become 
one who has emotional sobriety, I can feel what I'm feeling in real time. I can respond appropriately. I can talk about my feelings. Okay, this is emotional health. This is emotional maturity. In order to do that, we have to understand that if we're not willing to, we're not going to heal. There is no way to grow in mental and emotional health without being willing to feel your feelings. It does not happen. Okay, number three, we notice the shift in the body. And this is really important because emotions are happening in the body. Our brain names them, but they're happening in the body. Okay, think about how you feel when you're joyful. Your body feels lifted. It feels light. You might even feel buoyant, like bouncy, right? You feel taller when you're joyful. You feel open. You feel warm. Compare that with feeling afraid. It's a totally different feeling, right? When we feel afraid, we feel stiff. We feel vigilant. Our The pupils of our eyes dilate to allow in more light. Why do they do that? Because it's a response to let in more of our environment. If the threat is in the environment, we need to be able to see it. The hair on the back of our neck stands up. We might feel cold, frozen with fear. We've said things like that, right? That's a very different feeling than joy. Okay, compare hopelessness. Hopelessness feels like deflated, right? Like the last idea that you had just drained out of you. We can feel depleted when we feel hopeless. So we feel flat. We feel, we might even feel a little beat up, okay? Compare that with hopeful, (laughs) It's totally different. Hopeful is lifted. We're pointed toward the future. Our eyes are looking ahead of us. It's a different feeling in the body. Now, what we don't realize, and this is what psychology seeks to do, is sort of pull back that curtain on human behavior, right? What we don't really realize is what we're after. I mean, it's written into the founding documents of the United States is a better feeling. What did the writers write? The pursuit of what? Happiness. We're pursuing, whether we realize it or not, every single day, you are pursuing better feelings. Wow, Vanessa, that really just sounds like all of life is a quest for emotions. On some level, and I could say tons about this from a spiritual perspective, but on some level, if we're not very spiritually developed, that may be unconsciously what our whole life is about. Well, I want to make more money. Why? Because I want to feel more stable and secure. Okay, those are feelings. Well, I want to have kids. Why? Because I want to be happy. Okay, that's a feeling. Children bring me joy. Okay. Well, I want to get married. Why? Because I want to be in love. I want to feel connected and close to someone. I want to feel intimate. Okay, those are feelings. You are chasing feelings. So this is why we have to just normalize emotion. Emotions are part of life. Okay? They're part of what we are after. They're part of why we're living the way we're living. Well, why did you eat? Because you don't like feeling hunger. (laughs) Okay? You want to feel satisfied, right? Okay, very basic stuff, but sometimes you know, something clicks like, oh, I didn't get, I didn't even realize it. Here I am chasing feelings. I didn't get it. Okay, now you do. So in order to feel your feelings, you have to notice in your body when there's a shift, when you went from maybe an unpleasant mood state like disappointment to a pleasant mood state. And 
emotions shift all day long. You could be disappointed at 9 a.m. and then somebody calls you at 9.30 and they're like, hey, I miss you so much. I'd love to grab dinner. Oh, now I feel connected. Now I feel loved. I don't remember feeling disappointed because I made dinner plans. And then you get to dinner and the restaurant, you know, screwed up your reservation. And now we feel angry and we feel frustrated because we can't get sat and we have to go to another place. Now I feel hungry and I feel angry because I feel hungry. And my friend was late, so I feel disrespected. Just It's just, they're just going. <laughs> it could be many in one day, okay? Now, do we need to camp out and make a huge cardinal issue about every emotion we feel? No, we do not. But we just need to notice the shifts in the body. And then eventually... And again, I want you to work with this. If you're in therapy, work with your therapist on this. Any good therapist can walk you through this. When you notice the shift, we want to put a name to that feeling. Remember that hopelessness doesn't feel like hopefulness. Despair doesn't feel like bliss. Anger does not feel like joy. Different feelings have different words. And that's where those words come from. They're representative of that feeling. So example, I feel heat. Uh, my jaw's clenching, my thoughts are moving faster all of a sudden, I'm aware of really high energy, I'm probably feeling anger. This happens more often than I can possibly describe in therapy. I'll be working with a client, what are you feeling right now? I don't really know. Okay, well, tell me what's going on in your body. Blah, 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 this is happening. Okay, well, that sounds like anger. Are you feeling angry? Yes, I'm angry. Okay, I want you to connect the feeling to the word. That's anger. That's what it feels like inside your own skin, okay? Or you might feel hot and collapsing in, like you want to hide, cover yourself. You want to explain and defend and protect yourself. Okay, you're probably feeling shame, okay? Friends, these are the emotions that are happening inside of us. There are seven basic emotions, mad, sad, glad, afraid, embarrassed, lonely, hurt, okay? Seven core emotions. And all of the emotions in our language come from those. They're all like little subsidiaries of that. So mad, okay, that's anger. Anger goes all, it's a spectrum, right? It goes all the way from being mildly irked, like miffed, I'm peeved, right? I'm ticked. Two, I'm irate. I'm livid. Okay, every emotion has a huge spectrum. Fear. Well, I'm a little apprehensive to I'm terrorized. Okay, uh, embarrassed. I'm self-conscious. That's on the light side of the spectrum. All the way to I'm mortified. I'm looking for a hole in the ground that I can fall into and disappear. Okay, all of these emotions come from those seven core emotions, mad, sad, glad, afraid, embarrassed, lonely, hurt. So all of those emotions feel very differently in the body, right? Fear does not feel like loneliness. Maybe there's some crossover, but it doesn't feel like the same thing. Feeling hurt does not feel like feeling angry. It's two different things. Being hurt feels like you've been punched, right? Being angry actually feels energizing. So we acknowledge that emotions are happening, we become willing to name them, we notice the shift in the body, emotions are happening in the body, and then we give them a name. All right, that is the core system of emotional awareness. Now, let's get into kind of our thesis for today's podcast. I told you it was going to be a little bit more technical today, so stay with me. Let's talk about emotions versus thoughts. 
Okay, and this is where communication really, really breaks down. Your thoughts, unlike your emotions, your emotions are happening in the body, but your brain names them. Your thoughts are happening in the brain. Now, you may have feelings about them, like, oh, I think I'm going to be late. Oh, all of a sudden I feel guilty and ashamed. Okay, or I think Sarah's mad at me, whatever. There's no Sarah. You know what I mean? I think so-and-so is mad at me. Oh, I feel worried. I feel afraid. Okay, the thought is actually happening in the brain. And your thoughts are the result of your observations, the things in your life that you've learned, your experiences. Now, when communication breaks down, okay, when relationships get into really, really muddy, murky water is when we confuse our thoughts and our feelings. And instead of saying, I feel, and then an emotional word, we say, I feel that, or I feel like, and anytime somebody tells me in therapy, I feel that, or I feel like, they're telling me a thought. They're not telling me a feeling. So this happens every day every day, at least several times a day in session. I'll say, well, what, how do you feel about that? What are you feeling about that? Well, I just feel like blah, 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 blah. And I'll you know, let them get it out. And I'll say, well, that's a, that's a thought. It's a good thought. It's a valid thought. But I'm wondering what you're feeling. Yeah, I just feel like, you know, he doesn't really blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's a thought. Do you, are you starting to hear the difference? I feel like blah, 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 blah is not an emotion. That's not a feeling. There is a feeling going on. But what's coming out is a thought. Now, why is that important in relationship? Because what we are really attempting to express is an emotion. And the emotion is the language of connection. But what we wind up saying is a thought. And thoughts don't do the same thing as emotion in relationship. And this is why this is important. Because when we say, I feel that, or I feel like, or really, this is probably the most dangerous one where communication is concerned, I feel like you, blah, blah, blah. Now we're really thinking at another person, but what we're really trying to express is emotion. And we don't say what we feel, the emotion we're feeling, because we don't know. The, the reasons I just mentioned, we're blocking it. We've got a small window of tolerance. We've denied that we're even having feelings, right? And this begins conflicts because I'll say, you know, if I don't know how to express my feelings, well, I feel that or I feel like, well, you're, you're invalidating my feelings. No, I'm, I haven't heard a feeling. You haven't expressed a feeling, You've expressed a thought and you can disagree with a thought. If someone disagrees with you, that forms the basis for an argument. But feelings are internal experiences and can't be argued. If someone says, I'm aware of feeling fear right now. No, you're not. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, yes, I am. It's happening in my body. That's like saying I have a stomach ache. No, you don't. Well, yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> like, you can't deny someone's internal experience in their own body, but you can argue a thought. Do you see how important this is? I told you it's going to get a little weedy today, but you got to get this. Thoughts are not feelings and feelings are not thoughts. If you want an intimate relationship with someone, you must learn how to express your feelings, not just your thoughts. And then we go even further. We attempt to legitimize our thoughts by expressing them as feelings. I actually, I hesitated. I'm like, should I even mention this? I dated this guy years ago. The guy's a therapist. 
And I would say, well, what do you feel about that? Well, I feel like you, blah, 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 blah. And I remember the first time he did it, I was like, oh my gosh, how do you not know the difference between a thought and a feeling? Okay, well. So I'm like, well, that's a thought. That's not a feeling. And he got so mad. (laughs) I was like, look, I'm not trying to therapize you. I'm not trying to be a therapist, but that is not a feeling. That is a thought. And I think it had never occurred to him. Look, we all have different strengths. He's a very good therapist. But it was just so interesting to me. I'm like, we can't get anywhere. We're not expressing feelings to one another. And then he would say, well, you're invalidating my feelings. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm disagreeing with your thought because it is not true of me. Okay, that is, well, I feel like you, Vanessa, blah, 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 blah. Okay, number one, that's not a feeling. And number two, that's an incorrect assumption about who I am. That is not what's going on inside me. Do you see how problematic this is? Whereas if he had said, and sometimes he would be able to do this, Ah, therapist, we have to take our own medicine. Sometimes he would be able to get to, I just feel really ashamed right now. Okay, well, that gets a different reaction. Okay, the muddiest place we get into is when we say things like, I feel like you, blah, 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 blah. Because now we're passing judgment and we're attempting to read another person's mind and we're telling them who they are, what they're thinking by saying, I feel What does that sound like? I feel like you never listened to me. No. Here's how you say that precisely. I consistently do not feel heard by you. Okay, now we can go somewhere. I do not feel heard. Yeah, but I'm listening. Okay, I believe you that you are listening. You are trying to listen, whatever you're trying to do. I do not feel heard. So let's talk about what I need to feel heard by you if that's important to you. Well, I feel like you're avoiding the issue. No, again, that's a thought, not a feeling. I am feeling frustrated because we aren't facing this issue right now. I am feeling sad because it seems to me like we're avoiding this. Do you hear the difference? Well, I feel like all you want to do is have sex. No, let's try again. Okay, that is not a feeling, it's a thought. I am feeling ignored in some important areas of my life. Do you hear the difference? This is how we communicate. Now, let's go even deeper, okay? Perception drives emotion. Perception drives emotion. You have to understand this about yourself. It's a very humbling thing to acknowledge, but we have to acknowledge it. Why? Because we tend to, in our own little narcissistic worlds inside of ourselves, Vanessa, are you saying that I'm a narcissist? No, I'm just saying that it's human nature to be egocentric, okay? We all tend to think that our little internal world is the world, okay? That's just part of human nature. But in that little egocentric place inside of us, we really do tend to lean into the belief system that just because we feel something, it must be true. And so those of us who are doing this work, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're doing the work, we need to get a little wiser about this and realize that we feel what we feel because it's what we're perceiving and what we perceive may not be true. It may not be true. I've used this example more times than I can count. Imagine you're asleep in your bed and you look in the corner of your bedroom and it's dark and you see a figure crouched in the corner and you're seized with fear and you grip your blankets and you pull them up closer and your heart's racing. Okay, again, feeling it. Fear fear is happening in the body. It's a bodily response to what you perceive. And you're perceiving a figure crouched in the corner and the fear is going and you're shaking and you're frozen and you don't know what to do. And very, very carefully, 
you know, stealthily, you reach your hand over and you flick on the nightlight. <gasps> oh, it was just my backpack. Okay. <gasps> okay. And you gather your breath and your heart, you know, the adrenaline's going and your heart's going. Okay. And you calm yourself down. Your perception drove the fear. It was not a threat, but you perceived a threat. And so you had an emotional response. Do you get it? Your emotions are based on perceptions. And if you understood this in all of your relationships, that the reason I feel ignored right now is because the way I'm seeing the situation, it seems to me, I perceive that I am not as important to you as something else. Now, maybe there's truth in that, but it's very wise of us to take responsibility for that and say, look, I don't know if this is true, but from what I can perceive, I am feeling blank. So we take responsibility for our perception of things. Just because we perceive something a certain way, just like the backpack, doesn't mean it's accurate. It's just our perception. And our perception is colored by our biases, our life experiences, all of the opinions we've heard and integrated our trauma, our abuse, right? Again, perception. I might walk outside and it thought my grandfather experienced this. He fought in World War II and he was in active combat. He served under General Patton and he was a tank operator in World War II, fought in the Battle of the Bulge, storied World War II military career. We were very proud of him. And when he came back to the States, he lived in Georgia, which is where my grandmother was from. And in the South, in certain times of the year, before the lightning strikes, it sizzles. And you can kind of hear the sizzle in the air and then the lightning strikes, right? Well, he would hear the sizzle, and this is just classic PTSD, and he would think it was an incoming, whatever bomb, missile, whatever it was, and he would dive under cars looking for foxholes. It was an involuntary response, okay? His fear went so fast that he perceived that lightning was an incoming bomber a missile and he would dive under cars. And the first time he did that, of course, my grandmother was like, what are you doing? And he felt so ashamed and so embarrassed when he came to his senses. But that's classic PTSD. That's a trigger. When something happens in our environment, we perceive it to be a threat based on what we've been through in our lives. That doesn't mean it is. So what does that look like in relationship? It means that we say, you know, right now, what I'm perceiving is this, therefore I'm feeling this. Or it seems to me that blank may be happening, so I'm aware of feeling blank. Now, here's a powerful one. The story I'm telling myself right now, in other words, these are the thoughts and perceptions running through my mind. The story I'm telling myself right now is you didn't want to see me because you're tired of me, or you didn't want to see me because you're bored. Now, what am I really feeling? Shame. I'm feeling fear. Okay, if you listen to last week's podcast, I'm up on the mountain. I can't trust. That's a me problem. That's not a you problem. So I'm feeling this feeling. Now, what do we do with feelings? First of all, if we did that in our relationships, how much further would our conversations go? Friends, this is huge. Sometimes we don't perceive things the correct way. Our perceptions are off, but your emotions, whatever you're feeling, are, it's tied to your perceptions. Now, sometimes your perceptions are spot on. 
You know, I love when I meet with, you know, spiritual people, namely Christians. I'm I'm, going to say it. You know, well, fear is not of the Lord. I'm like, really? So if a lion is charging you, you're not supposed to feel fear. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Of course we feel fear. Okay? It is a normal human response in the presence of a real threat. And we could get into spiritually what's a real threat, what's not a real threat. But I tell people all the time, you have to feel fear. We would have been eaten by the lions long ago if we didn't feel fear. Okay? But in relationships, a lot of times what we perceive as a threat is not a threat. It's just we're replaying an old script. We're replaying our childhood. We're replaying our trauma. It's not a threat, but we perceive it as a threat. And we have to take responsibility for that. Sometimes people's intentions are totally different than how we perceive them. But if we were to say, look, what I'm perceiving is this, the story I'm telling myself is this, so I'm feeling this, that gives room in the relationship for someone to say, okay, I hear you, but that's actually not what's going on inside me right now. All right, now we're communicating. Now we're getting down to the root of the problem, okay? We have to take responsibility for our perceptions. Perceptions come to us in the form of thoughts. And that's why it's so important for you to understand your thoughts are not your feelings. Just because you feel it doesn't make it true. In fact, just because you perceive something doesn't make it true. This language that I'm giving you today, it matters. Good communicators are precise. We say, I feel an emotional word. We say, I think when we're having a thought. We say, I perceive when we're having a perception. Or we might say, it seems to me. And we can acknowledge that. This is a thought. It's not a fact. This is a perception. It's not a fact. This is a feeling. It's not a fact. You know, when we share our thoughts, we experience intellectual connection on a number of levels. And that connection usually involves respect and or agreement. Okay, now again, I'm talking about the intellectual level of connection. This is the connection you have with coworkers. You could have this in an interesting conversation on a plane. Okay, you're just sharing thoughts. And maybe you really respect someone's thoughts. Like, wow, that's a deep thought. Or that's a really smart thought. And then maybe you agree with it or you don't. Sometimes I hear thoughts and I think that's a really interesting thought. I don't agree with that thought. I have a different basis for how I, you know, see the world or I might have a different value system, but I can respect that thought. Or sometimes we might think, I don't respect that thought at all. I mean, I respect the person having it as a human being, but the thought is not well thought out. It shows no critical thinking. It's not informed. You know, we might think I don't respect that thought, you know, but I respect the person and, and they're working through it. Maybe they're learning or maybe someone's just ignorant and they don't want to learn, but they've got lots of opinions. <laughs> we all know people like that. Ah, I was once a person like that. Okay, so lots of different ways to connect intellectually. We respect, we don't really respect it. We agree, we may not agree. But when we're sharing feelings, it's much more intimate. You don't have to agree or disagree with a feeling. You need to understand the perception that drives the feeling. That's helpful. That'll help you validate it. But feelings don't need to be agreed with or not agreed with. They need to be heard. And if we want our feelings to be heard, stop articulating them like their thoughts. Say, I feel angry. I feel sad. I feel lonely. Say what you feel. 
develop your emotional vocabulary, and acknowledge that your perception is what's driving your your feeling. No one wants to spend time with me. Well, that's a thought. I feel lonely. Okay, that's a feeling. Is the thought true? And this is cognitive behavioral therapy. No, but it's my perception. Okay, that doesn't make it true. Friends, do you see how important this is? That's why I said we're going to get in the weeds a little bit this week. We're going to wrap up here. But this is so important. Your thoughts are not your feelings. When we get this important piece, our conflicts can become more productive. And this is one of those places as a chain breaker and as someone who's pursuing emotional health, mental health, only you can do this. Take responsibility for your emotional vocabulary, your own emotional awareness about yourself, and learn how to address your feelings with emotional words instead of, I feel like, or I feel that, or the worst of it, I feel that you, blah, 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 okay? Not productive. I feel an emotional word, an emotional word, productive. And effective communicators have connection. Communication is the basis for connection. And the more effective we are at communication, the more responsibility we can take and the more skill we develop at communication, the more connection we can enjoy. All right, let's pause there. Thank you for listening. For those of you who are new to the podcast, you can request topics. And if it's something that I can speak to with any kind of skill or knowledge, I will. And if not, I can find a professional in my community to talk about it. So if you'd like to request a topic, send that to the podcast at vanessalondino.com. can be anything. If I don't know about it, I won't talk about it. I don't fake anything. But if I do know about it, I'll be happy to address it for you. And number two, if you want to ask me a question, just send a voice recording to that same email address. Just make a voice recording on your phone. Hey, Vanessa, I'd love to hear about blah, blah, blah. Or I have this question about my relationship with blah, blah, blah. Send it to the podcast at vanessalondino.com. And remember, your sole work is to discover who you truly are, which means knowing what you feel, and learn how to love that emotional human being. Till next time, this podcast is recorded in Nashville, Tennessee, and edited by the great Jared Bentley. I'm Vanessa Londino, and you just listened to the Vanessa Londino podcast.